Hey, I'm Maria. I work at a labor union by day and write and watch too much TV by night. I like to say I've been firmly in the CW's clutches since it was a WB. As the great Seth Cohen on the OC once said about the fictional teen drama, The Valley, TV teen dramas are mind-numbing escapism. They exist in a fantasy world where 20-something hot actors are usually cosplaying high schoolers in melodramatic depictions of adolescents. But that's honestly why I love teen dramas so much. I love the tropes and the ships and the not-at-all-subtle product placement. I love the early aughts theme songs and the cameo performances by pop-punk bands. I love the newer generation of shows that are more diverse and representative of the vastness of teenage girldom. And I especially love the moments when TV teen dramas get political. You guys, we can organize, stand together, speak with one voice. Karl Marx has come alive for me today. Now it just seems so obviously wrong that those who control capital should make their fortunes off the labor of the working class. Well, since you've fired us, you've given us plenty of time to kick in. Workers of the world unite for all the Welcome to another episode of Leftist Teen Drama. Today, I am joined by two returning guests for season two, my friends Nikki and Kelly. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome to season two. <laughs> Good to be back. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so I guess just in case you're dropping in for the first time, I know both Kelly and Nikki basically because of union things, <laughs> which is true for a lot of the guests on this podcast. Yes. Um, so even though we're talking about more of a personal is political kind of plotline today, I would say. We we all have a lot of political ties to each other. <laughs> so we're talking about sex education today. I just love sex education. This is like the third episode we've done so far about sex education. And it's just a deeply political show. So like, here we are. So how long have y'all been watching the show? Like, what are your relationships to sex education? I watched the show as soon as it came out. I, yeah. first of all, just love the... I'm an aesthetic like bitch. So just the <laughs> styling and everything like about it was intriguing. And then it was like, oh, and the plot lines are good. And the, the characters are like, you know, great and all that. So I kind of first fell in love with like the imagery and then like got caught up in the story. And yeah, I, I like it all so far. I mean, Jillian Anderson, come on. You can't. Oh, yeah. So true. Oh, my God. All of, her, more. <laughs> all of her jumpsuits are amazing. I mean, Oh my God. I got into it. I love teen dramas <laughs> and I saw the show and I was like, where are they? Like, it's so twee and beautiful. And I don't, are they in California or are they in England? Like, I don't know. I just started watching it, like not, not devotedly, but then I got a little more into it during court, like, especially during quarantine, deep quarantine. I was just watching TV endlessly and I did like sex education. Nice. Yeah. yeah. The third season came out this past fall so 
that is great because the plot line we're talking about today like i kind of wanted to wait to see what they would do with it in season three and they ended up doing really awesome stuff with it in season three so i'm excited that we waited to do this plot line until it had come out so for me too i had watched sex education since it first came out like i was just like this is like my shit like it's a teen drama it looks pretty i feel like the it looking pretty part and it being in england aesthetically reminded me of skins which is like the teen drama of you know all of our teen years oh my god i love <laughs> oh my god yeah and so that definitely yeah. like i didn't really think about it until you said it nikki but that totally was part of it for me too i was just like this is pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's skins but like way happier yes. <laughs> it's a little more like you can work through it <laughs> where skins you're like i don't know if anyone's working through any of this like no. it's bad. yeah yeah no 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 yeah no that's more euphoria is more of the skins of of the gen z time <laughs> yes oh my god it's even darker than skins i think euphoria oh, yeah. no totally but it's definitely closer yeah yeah there was an american version of skins but it didn't it last very long. bad right i don't remember actually watching it i think i like refused to watch it <laughs> oh i loved it in high school but it, but it was really bad <laughs> i mean that's fine yeah like yeah. plenty of things that we love are very bad like yeah. the new gossip girl for example but i'm gonna keep watching it <laughs> Oh, damn. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we're talking about sex education today. And as we get into this plot line, I felt like we should do, like, a quick verbal trigger warning. Because, like, we are talking about sexual assault and healing from sexual assault. So, you know, tread, tread lightly. But also, I think that this plot line just does, like, a really gentle job with it for the viewer. So, that's really nice. So, we're talking about Amy Gibbs today. And I would say, like, we've already done an episode on Eric Effiong, who I would say is my favorite character on the show. But Amy is like definitely my like the like the next in line for me. Like she is just so funny and she definitely is one of the most comedic characters on the show, which is like I why I think it hits even harder when they then gave her like one of the heaviest storylines on the show. And it's just truly one of my favorites. So I have fan art of the we're all getting the bus moment in in this room where I prep for the podcast. So definitely, I think that we're talking about like a show that hasn't been on that long, but I think that that plot line is going to be iconic in teen drama history going forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, the memes of it are endless. I don't know. I think I saw like that clip on Instagram like 50 times before I even saw the episode, yeah. honestly. And even the clip isolated just like made me cry. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was just very powerful. I agree. Like just the directing and like the way that shot came together is so iconic. And and I think, yeah, it just, it, it lives in its own sort of special place. And it definitely impacted me a lot emotionally. So it's, it's a great, it's a great storyline. And I agree, like, it feels deliberate that they made it like one of the most comedic, like, fun, lighthearted, happy characters has to deal with this, you know? And one of the characters who also, like, and I mean, we'll obviously get into this as we get into the plot line, but one of the characters who isn't as sure of what she wants to do, like, in her life going forward and so like which don't be don't get me wrong plenty of teenagers obviously don't know what the fuck they want to do with their lives or if they think they do they might not actually know but that's like really hard when you're already trying to find yourself and then something like that traumatizing happens to you oh Vinny, look at him so freaking cute <laughs> Vinny, what do you think like sexual assault bad 
<laughs> Bad. Bad. Oh. Is Vinny against it? I'm hoping so. I think so. He's, yeah, he's a good okay, cat. good. I don't know. Cat sexuality is pretty fucked up, honestly. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> One time I was like walking around, there's like a lot of feral cats in my neighborhood, and I did see a threesome, and it did look consensual. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, everyone seemed to be having a good time. I did take a video, which was maybe not cool, but you know, it was like a once in a lifetime. Oh, my God. Yeah. I guess I just thought that we'll just kind of go through Amy's journey because a lot of even though this plot line begins in season two a lot of what happens to her in season one is like very relevant obviously so like Amy's actually one of the first people you ever see in the show the theory opens on her and Adam fucking so <laughs> yeah just going at it and so when we meet and there's like oh and then there's just like the like you know he fakes an orgasm and she's just like where's the spunk Adam <laughs> so that's like the first like that's like our introduction to her everything in those accents oh i know i'm gonna try but like i i can't really like that was probably oh, that was the best perfect. it's gonna be i don't know if i can do it every time i quote one of them <laughs> So yeah, so when we meet Amy, she hangs out with the Untouchables, which is like Anwar, Ruby, and Olivia. The mean girls, well, girls and gays of the school. And she pretends she isn't friends with Maeve, even though like she is. And she is dating Adam. So she breaks up with him quickly into the series, but then she immediately starts dating this like really gross dude named Kyle. A very bad stoner uh, rap that dude so, <laughs> that's the one yeah. thing i'll say about him but it's just very clear that amy's like kind of a serial monogamous like in the fourth episode she's abe says she doesn't want a boyfriend and amy's like but having a boyfriend is the best thing you always have someone to hang out with like she clearly like has just jumped from relationship to relationship and she is generally pushed around by her friends like they when they do like mean girl things she kind of looks on disapprovingly they like force her to have parties at her house and then she gets in trouble like you know it's just like classic being pushed around by like a mean bitch click kind of shit it's also revealed she doesn't have a good relationship with her mom so if you really think about it, it's like it, it kind of makes sense that Amy wants relationships to like distract her from everything else because she's not like she's got like a great friendship going on with these, these people <laughs> that she's friends with. And so she meets Steve in the fifth episode of season one when he shows up at a study group that her friends forced her to host. <laughs> and he's like, I'm here for the study group. And she's like, oh, this isn't like actually a study group. We just smoke weed and, and Ruby likes to invite guys she thinks are hot. And he's like, oh, but like, I actually have to do homework. And so she's like, no, wait, come in. <laughs> and so then they like start to like bond and like the next morning they like smile at each other and the famous it's my vagina assembly so <laughs> yeah full disclosure i like really love amy i love steve and i love amy and steve and i know like the, what's gonna happen with them is the right thing for amy's journey but it broke my heart because i just think steve is such a wholesome dude such a good guy on the show and so i'm just gonna say that like i love steve so by the sixth episode of season one we've seen her have like three boyfriends adam kyle and now she's with steve and so she like goes to Maeve and it's like, I have to see Otis for like my problem. And she's like, oh, what's going on with Kyle? And she's like, no, I'm with Steve now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely a serial monogamist. It's very eye opening once she goes to Otis and 
she's like it flashes back to her having sex with steve and he's like he can tell that she's like acting fake and he wants to know what she wants in bed and he, she's literally like i don't know what i want no one's ever asked me that before and basically otis is like oh well like try to think about what you do when it's just you and she's like kind of has that internalized you know misogyny and is like ew i can't do that to myself like why and so then he can essentially Otis prescribes a wank, as they say. <laughs> I like that they touched on that in her journey because, I mean, like, that was so not me. Like, I was the opposite end of the spectrum where, like, I definitely masturbated, like, early and frequently and felt deep shame about it. Whereas I feel like the other way of feeling that shame is to just not do it at all. Mm. I, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have boyfriends either. I, either. Like, I have no outlet. <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't. Wow, this is, like, very personal. But, yeah, all through high school, I never, like, masturbated because I was like, that's gross like why would I ever do that and like that's that's like what the culture was kind of like but then I, I also went to this like very hippy dippy Unitarian camp where the sex education was like maybe a little too comprehensive at times and like uh, <laughs> they sort of like got me feeling a little more comfortable about it and like my super late teens but yeah I don't know I just like I feel like well also times have changed so much in the past like decade yes like like 10 years ago I don't know like I, I felt like my body was disgusting and like I'm really glad that times have changed in the right direction a little bit I mean like we have a long way to go but I feel like it's way more like talking about like pleasure and enjoying yourself and like destigmatizing just like our own bodies that we live in for our whole lives is like really important yeah it's definitely gotten a lot better at least here in the west yeah true yeah yeah so that, like, exactly so i feel like this is a gen z show and clearly girls are still dealing with that and it's yeah. still more stigmatized to masturbate as a girl whereas like boys just like talked about it openly growing up <laughs> like, mm, like right yeah yeah and um, like a rumor i remember like rumors going around like this girl masturbates or something how disgusting so, is that that's so weird i mean to be honest all those rumors is a big part of why i did not date that much in high school i, I like yeah. hated that kind of culture about it so I completely understand people like feeling shame about all this stuff because that that is it like seeps into the culture and then they're just like well am I yeah. dirty for masturbating am I dirty for you know wanting to have sex or whatever yeah totally so that's like a big part of her season one journey and so she's like all right and she like you know goes to her bedroom and at first she's like a little intimidated but then she kind of like gets you know in a rhythm and you know it's everybody's different so you got to figure out what you like you know and it's just like a hilarious masturbation montage and at the end she says like a classic amy line which is like mm, i want a crumpet <laughs> <laughs> and so then the next day at school she like is like to otis like i've been wanking all night i ate four packets of crumpets and i think my clip might drop off but i know exactly what i want <laughs> beautiful it's, it's honestly truly beautiful and so then she goes and finds steve and when next time you see them in bed together she gives him like extremely detailed instructions of what she wants and he's like amazing got it and so that's like the main thing of her like season one sexual journey and i think it's pretty safe to say that when we meet her and 
and as she evolves in season one, she's just like a very sexual being who like is just, you know, not unlike me, very sexually active teen who's had sex with multiple partners, who has gone through this journey of like learning what she wants sexually. And just like I think it's important to know for where her journey is going to go next. Oh, it makes it so sad. I mean, like it would be sad, obviously, no matter what, but seeing the change in her was just really heartbreaking. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I feel like on any other show, like this would have been her her journey, you know, but this show is so good. And it's like, now we're going to throw her like fucking curveball now. And... Oh, then the other important thing that happens before we move into season two is that in the last episode of season one, she stands up to the untouchables and like dumps them and basically, yeah, basically declares that Maeve is her best friend, like for real. And she's like, I'm dumping you for her. And they're like, she's a slag. And she's like, yeah, you're right, but I'm a slag too. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, it's, it's a funny moment, even though like Maeve's like, I'm not a slag. And she's like, me either just keep going it sounded good (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i feel like amy's like very empowered and coming more into herself at the end of season one and so then we start season two and you know her assault plot line is gonna begin and this show is really good at just kind of like slowly introducing each element that needs to come together to make this happen and so in the first episode of the new season, you see Amy waiting at the bus stop because she, now that she's no longer friends with the Untouchables, she does not have a ride to school. And so like at the start of the episode, Ruby, Olivia and Anwar whiz by in a convertible and they're like, enjoy the poverty shuttle. Uh, <gasps> Rude. Which is ridiculous when you see how big of a fucking house Amy lives in. Like she lives in like this huge mansion where they like have had like house parties and like it, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> later on, she gets a car later yes. on, right? Yes, she does. I, gosh. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. I, mean, I think the timing of when her transportation changes is, like, very tied to the plot line, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, yeah. Just, I don't know. I feel like it's just, like, good writing. Good writing. Um, and so then in the second episode of the second season, she's kind of like trying to figure out what her thing is. And there's this form she's filling out and like, you know, you say what you like and don't like, and it's supposed to tell you the answer of what you're going to do. And she's like, it says I should be a baker. One of them's like, I think that's supposed to say banker. And she's like, no, I'm going to stick with baker. I really like toast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they give her such good lines. I know, they really do. And so... I, those are like you know the the assault occurs on Maeve's birthday which is so sad but it's in the third episode of the second season so like the first two episodes very importantly established that Amy is trying to become a baker and she now has to take the bus to school every day that was kind of interesting oh, too yeah. like there was something about it happening as well and maybe that's I don't know, maybe it's the way that they set up, like, sexual problems, like, within the story. But it was, like, I didn't expect to see it. It it was very much, like, oh, I was almost lulled into a place where, like, things are, I don't know. I don't, does that sort of make sense? But I, like, actually didn't think this show would dive into that. Yeah, I mean, like, the beginning of her day is so quotidian and normal. And even when the guy is, like, behind her, I was like, 
I'm I like didn't understand what was happening and I thought that was really realistic as mm-hmm. like someone who takes public transportation it's like when something fucked up happens it's like you don't even realize it until like after it happened yeah. and like it's and oh my god I mean the whole thing was just like t- close to home and like too real it and it, I felt like it was very jarring it wasn't like on most tv shows where they're like at a I mean like like this horrible brute has come in and like he's a he's a violent predator and it's like no this is like you really don't expect it happening this guy like she says like he seemed really normal like I don't know it was just I mean like very troubling because it was so real yeah pretty much but yeah the first clip we're gonna watch is gonna be like her on the bus and i because a lot of it is really visual i'll just like proceed it by saying like like you said it looks like any normal day so she's walking to the bus and she but the only thing that's different is she has this bright pink bunny cake in her hand as we later find out because it's Maeve's birthday and she's wearing her little yellow headphones and she's smiling which is like wild to me like i do not walk down the street smiling so like (laughs) like yeah she was having a great day (laughs) and she's also wearing an adorable denim on denim outfit which absolutely comes into play and it's the man can be seen in frame standing on the bus holding the pole like when she shows her pass to the bus driver everyone on this bus is like sizing her up they look mean they really do yeah this music is really creeping me out now Yeah, they do some interesting song choices. Sorry. Oh. Ugh. What are you doing? He's wanking on me. Yeah, everyone else sucks Can on this bus. bus yeah. But this is so. <laughs> this is actually reality, which is the saddest thing. Yeah. Is that like so often people don't step in? Yeah. Like this happens. Like, like maybe they don't even. She just said like he's wanking on me. Yeah, and they didn't. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it depends. Sometimes on the subway in New York, people come together and. Oh my god, it's disgusting. Yeah. No, it's like heartbreaking. Oh. So I mean, I get again. That's a very visual scene but i still felt like we should watch it but yeah amy like falls back into the guy and it's like when she loses her balance and it's just such a like normal polite like sorry you know like we've all done it a million times in public transportation you know and it's just so sad the way that her face changes as she slowly realizes what's going on and you know without her even realizing it like her entire like being is about to shift because of this like one moment um, yeah oh it's just so horrible and gross and like yeah and like the other people on the bus just seemed annoyed with her for stopping the bus i yeah i just like the, i don't know if i noticed it as much the first time around but for some reason in this rewatch i like really noticed the bystanders and i was like y'all fucking suck like how could not yeah. a single woman like even a single woman on that bus have some empathy and right and it's like his dick is out like you can see oh my god it's just like yeah it's like she's very alone like in the incident you know so i think that's also what's powerful about like the people coming to support her is that she really did feel like so alone 
yeah absolutely i'm like she tried to ask for help which was like like that's just so demoralizing you know you could be like oh i'm embarrassed this thing is happening to me and like just shut down and get off the bus without telling anyone why but she like told people why like she felt people would actually come to her aid and they didn't and i'm just like that's pretty bleak to experience yeah it feels sort of like a, a metaphor i mean maybe maybe it's like obvious but just like sexual assault like when a survivor will like come forward and be like this thing happened happened to me I need help like I need justice everyone around them is like did it really happen to you like are you do you just want attention like all this shit instead of like trying to fix the problem yeah yeah it just made me feel that like thinking feeling I felt just like in college when there was one year where there was just a string of sexual assaults in the fall and we would get like a we'd get like an email alert every time it happened mm-hmm. and it just felt like the alert was like girls be careful like what are you doing I joined this committee with like administrators at my school to try to like change the policy and like try to like solve this huge problem of sexual assault on our campus and I felt so impotent and like unheard by everyone and they were like way more concerned with the rights of the person who was accused than they were of like the rights and like the safety of like the women well not just women but like mostly women who had come forward and it was like if you got in trouble for like selling weed you would get expelled but if you got in trouble for raping somebody like there would be a year-long trial you probably would not get in trouble and oftentimes the victim would have to would end up transferring school and it's like you have to leave yeah yeah seeing everybody on the bus just like impulsively be like i don't believe this young woman like she's interfering with my day like Mm, yeah which is exactly what happens here right it's like she no longer feels like she can take the bus you know what i mean it's not like him being expelled from the bus it's like her being left out of a space so yes it's a huge thing like like as you're saying those girls had to leave the college it's the girls leaving not the predators and that happens so much where people leave companies people leave industries you know it's the women who have to leave and the guys that are the predators that get to stay it's bullshit it is bullshit and it's like something as simple as just like wanting to take the bus or like wanting to walk home in the dark or like wanting to go to a party you get treated like you did something stupid and like later on she's like she like blames herself and it's like I totally get that because the people around you are kind of trying to make you feel like it's your fault when it's really not yeah what you said actually like made me remember what I was going to say earlier which was that even though me and Nikki actually became friends because of the worker solidarity work that we did together like the year before that when I was a freshman and Nikki was a sophomore there was like a convening of like survivors and allies to try to fight the sexual assault problem on our campus because I mean we really went to college in the time when like the title nine like activism was like really picking up steam I feel like so it makes sense that we have both had that experience but I was just kind of a little freshman sitting in the corner and I was like in awe of like Nikki and our friends (laughs) Emma and Susie because they were pushing back on like the more liberal side of the group of ladies that were assembled who were like we should do a panel with administration and (laughs) they were like "Uh, that's not gonna do shit like yeah, I lived uh, that. It didn't really do shit. 
<sighs> we did have a panel, I'm pretty sure. But we also, like, there were times later when we definitely showed up to Accepted Students Day. I distinctly remember me and Nikki being at an Accepted Students Day where a bunch of survivors were, like, holding up posters and educating the incoming students and their parents about the way that the school handles sexual assault. And, like, it was the same thing where, like, people would, like, be stuck in the same dorm building as the people who assaulted them and they wouldn't move them. So definitely one of the messages of the plotline is that it fucking happens everywhere and to, like, anyone at any time. Yeah. Um, Even in this beautiful, idyllic town, colleges, I'm sure, have always had this problem. But, yeah, like, when when we were all in college, it was, like, coming to a head. There were all these documentaries coming out and, like, like the hunting ground. The Title IX investigators came to my school to, like, do, like, a big group interview and it was horrendous. Oh, my God. They were, like, not moderating the discussion. Mm. Adults were come like we were all adults but like you know like professors and staff were coming in and like naming victims blaming victims and like I had to to, like raise my hand at one point and be like this is inappropriate like I I just think that this whole discussion is really inappropriate like to have in a public forum and like the investigators just wrote it down and kept going oof yeah. yeah I mean this is off topic but yeah I, I could go off about like college sexual assault for like a million years it's just horrible no, but you're, yeah. you guys are right about like that time it really was like I remember you know the woman who I believe she's from Columbia and she did her art the art project where she oh, was like right. oh, the that was like oh. huge that was so huge and it was like the first time kind of seeing stuff like that it wow, gave me chills remembering the, her carrying around that mattress that she was assaulted on for like weeks. Yeah, I remember that. <sighs> Heavy. Yeah, yeah, and obviously it's not like it got fixed or anything, but like definitely a lot of things happened. Like I Emerson, where me and Nikki went, like they added like an office of like specifically for like sexual assault response, which like I don't think fixed the problem by any means, but like colleges were forced to like kind of like actually engage with the issue, I feel like, because there was so much activism around it at that time. Right, um, and it's like, you know, there's, n- I, I really think it's impossible to like create a space where sexual assault will never, ever, ever happen, right. you know, because we're all human beings, but just like the impunity, I felt like colleges were like sweeping it under the rug and like, I I went to a pretty small school and it's just like I I would like be in the library and I'd be like I know that guy raped somebody and he's like <sighs> staring me down right now because he's pissed that I don't want to be his friend anymore like it 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 was just absurd so yeah sorry guys this is gonna be a dark episode <laughs> yeah sorry it gets dark it gets real dark so as we already said even if she was the kind of person who maybe would have already been predisposed to blaming herself like the way that it happened it just like created the perfect conditions for that to happen anyway i feel like and so the first person who actually calls it what it is is mave and i really love mave and amy's friendship i think it's one of the best ones on the show i mean er- eric and otis obviously probably take the cake but like close after our amy and mave to me they're really cute we're just gonna watch Amy actually tell me what happened and somebody finally react in the proper way <laughs> to what happened. God, I like feel kind of emotional. Jeez. So, what do you want to do for your birthday? Nothing. What happened to this cake exactly? It didn't look so bad before, but then I was on the bus and I kind of wanked on my leg and I got a bit of a shock and I smushed the cake. What? I think it'll stain. I love these jeans. You, you have to report it. It's fine, they were only cheap. No, you've been assaulted. 
I think he was just lonely. Or not right in the head or something, which is weird, because he was quite handsome. James, this is serious. It's silly. I'm fine, honestly. Okay, I know I want to do for my birthday. I want us to go to the police. Oh, man, there's so much to unpack. <laughs> yeah, I've, like, read and experienced and seen that, like, it's so common after, like, being sexually harassed or assaulted to be like, no, that didn't happen. Like, yeah. that's not what it was. And I don't know if it's, like, denial or just, like, I mean, I guess that's exactly what it is. Or, you know, just feeling like, well, it wasn't that bad. Like, I'm alive. I'm fine. Everybody's okay. So it wasn't assault it's you know totally a survival tactic it makes yeah it makes complete sense when you think about it right like yeah what are you gonna do you're gonna like well how am I gonna get through this how am I gonna think like straight ahead and get to the next thing okay yeah totally. I definitely think that her which we're gonna continue to see her like harping on specifically the genes being ruined is like a coping mechanism of just being like, I'm going to focus on the fact that my genes are ruined. Like, I'm not going to focus on how they got ruined or like what the implications of that are, but like the fact that my genes are ruined that I loved. And like, it's so hard to watch. My like, have you ever, have you ever had something bad happen and you like don't want to wear the clothes you wore on that day for a while? I mean, even just little things and I'm just like, oh, I was wearing that and like, I got really sick or like, oh, I was wearing that and I like found something out I didn't want to know. I don't want to like wear that again. I'm like, oh, like even if she gets out the the stain which is still there yeah like it's there she's always gonna remember what happened yeah it's almost like it's easier for her to like mourn these genes she loved than to actually like reckon with like what happened you know and yeah. then the other thing I wanted to talk about, what I think, I guess we can continue to talk about as we continue to watch this, but I, my biggest critique of Maeve as a character is that she really flocks to carceral solutions. <laughs> like, she calls the cops too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know they're in England, so it's like a slightly different landscape, but is it really? Um, And I don't know. I mean, this is like the depiction they show of her going to the cops has a little bit of the like classic reason that people don't go and Mm. we'll see that. But I also think that it's like a fairly like came and like bordering on copaganda-y like depiction of like going and reporting your assault because it's just like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's like very imperfect because like I'm not even necessarily saying she shouldn't report it. Like I don't know like it's like when we're in like obviously on this podcast i've made it very clear before that i believe in abolition but like while we're in the in-between space of living in a society it's like what do you actually do when you get assaulted and you can't i'm not gonna like blame someone for going to the cops but i just think it's an interesting conversation to have uh, that you know that's immediately the solution is to be like okay go to the cops are you guys familiar with chanel miller's book know my name i don't think so do you remember the it was like when we were in college at Stanford, that guy, Brock Turner, he raped a yeah. girl yeah. behind a dumpster. And so Chanel, Mil- Chanel Miller was Jane Doe who like wrote that beautiful piece, her like oh, fiction right. statement. And mm. she turned it into a book and she like talks about going to the police and going through the court system. And there were like some people who were very kind and some people who really weren't, but like the, the system itself just like re-traumatized her for years. And it's like, I don't know. 
it was really interesting. And I think that like for her, she was like, you know, going public and like trying to get justice is like important to her healing. But I know some people like I've asked, I've been like, do you want to go to the police? And they've been like, no, I don't think I can go through it. And I wish that Maeve had like maybe asked. Totally um, agree. Yeah, asked Amy what she wanted to do about it. But yeah, that book, 10 out of 10. And I saw Chanel Miller at a protest and fangirled her. She's an amazing, amazing writer and cartoonist. Yeah. I will definitely put that in the like suggested reading for this episode. Totally. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. No, I, I feel the same way. The The thing that's missing from that conversation is like, how are you feeling? Like, what do right. you want to do? You know, and, and obviously, like Amy's not feeling anything yet. You know, she's very much like passing it off and like what, but that's that's what I would want to see instead of like we're going to the cops it's like hey let's talk about this and how can I support you my friend you know yeah yeah like maybe let's ditch school and wash your pants literally literally like let's yeah let's ditch and like let's talk about this yeah 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 ditching is definitely the right choice so we can give them that (laughs) because either way they definitely ditch I mean, obviously, the reason that I'd say this is because obviously unrelated to this plotline, Maeve also calls the cops on her mom at some point in the series, who is like, you know, a drug addict having trouble with, you know, using again around her young daughter. And it's like, I don't know. I never really agreed with that decision, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's so tough, you know, because there really aren't a lot of options. Yeah, and like that is a larger Maeve, problem. Yeah. Maeve ends up in some really fucked up situations. But yeah, I don't, I really don't know what I would do. But the police are rarely helpful. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think for me, it's hard to say what, what I would do because I haven't been in that situation or even close to that situation yeah. or people in that situation. But there is something that scares me in terms of what I've heard about getting your kids into the system. So that's the only thing where I would be like, can they go to someone else? Can we figure out a way that it's not like the state's business? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that at the end of the day, all of these things just point out why, like, you know, what abolitionists say that like the solution is a million different solutions because like it's the entire yeah. it's the entire lack of safety net and the entire lack of community like care for human beings that leads to people breaking the law in the first place. You're totally um, right. It's it's always and I think that's the problem is that people like that's such an unsatisfying like answer to people. Even though I don't I think it's exciting like because it's like look at all these cool new things we could like new solutions we could think of that would like actually care for people like it's actually kind of exciting but like for people who just want there to be an answer like it's it's unsatisfying I feel like (laughs) yeah I feel like I'm in the middle on it part of me is like (laughs) uh, and uh, the other part of me is like excited about the possibilities exactly like a better world is possible and all that (laughs) and all that (laughs) okay so they go to the cops see she's got a proper problem you've got Mm. Come on, let's go. It's basically like he sneezed on me or something. Oh. Yeah? Yeah. Come is kind of like a penis having a sneeze. Uh, that means when you swallow someone's cum, it's like eating their snot. Just take a <laughs> Hi there, how can I help you? Hi. This is my friend Amy. She got sexually assaulted on the bus. I got jizz on my cheeks. Oh. Probably wasting your time. You're not wasting anyone's time. Right? Do you need to call somebody? Shit, do I need a lawyer? 
Am I going to get arrested? No, sorry, I just, just meant like your mum or someone. Oh, God, no. You should just make it into a drama. Take a seat, fill out one of these forms, and an officer will be with you in a minute. Thank you. Uh, you forgot your cake. <laughs> Is it someone's birthday? Yeah, mine. Yeah, Feliz Navidad. That means Merry Christmas. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean this is just kind of continues with amy just denying what happened to her and that it's not a proper problem yeah it's really um, sad but it, it shows it yeah they, they drive the point home yeah like she does have a proper problem that's really not okay that was also maybe the most beautiful like precinct i think i've ever seen it looked like a coffee shop almost between like the saying that she doesn't have a proper problem and that she's probably wasting people's time. Like that she, you know, hasn't fully or doesn't want to fully accept what has happened to her. Like all of these things force her to like actually confront what happened and she's just resisting having to confront it at every turn. Yeah, like when she says like, Maeve is like, she was sexually assaulted on the bus. And then Amy is like, ugh, it's just jizz on my pants. And the cop looks horrified. Like, oh, that just really hurt to see. Yeah. Because it, it is really, it's really, really bad. And it just sucks that, like, that thing that for that guy was just, like, a transgressive moment. And he was just getting off as, like, going to haunt Amy for a really long time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's awful and then there's also the callback to the fact that amy has an awful relationship with her mom like, oh yeah hmm. and that's kind of like part of this too is like she wants to minimize it for herself but she also wants to minimize it for other people and like not being inconvenience and like yeah just, like telling your family that something like that happened to you is so tough oh yeah because it you know it hurts them too or they might not believe you or something like that i don't know it's just it's Ugh, yeah. Sexual assault is like it. J the trauma just keeps coming in the aftermath. Like Absolutely. the yeah, like the the assault itself is like just the beginning of like the trauma. Yeah, yeah. and then I think that this show does a really good job of showing that. I think that one yeah. of the things that I feel like one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is because I think a lot of teen dramas have tried to do sexual assault over the years. And like, I don't think that any of them have actually like devoted this much of a character's time to it, to healing from it. I mean, and I'm not saying that the other people haven't done it with varying degrees of success, but like, it's often like, this is the thing that I'm dealing with. And then like, it's kind of dropped a couple of episodes later. One that's good that I can think of and that I think is probably like an inspiration for this one is like Paige on Degrassi. I was just um, thinking about yeah. Paige Megalchuk. So she, went uh, to, she went to a counselor like on screen and she was yeah. very angry and depressed yeah for a long time and then she wrote that song with ashley yes i'm not your poor thing oh my god that yeah. was yeah i think fire about song that. fire track fire song yeah oh my god i that's so funny same wavelength i was thinking about that storyline on degrassi too and degrassi yeah. is like a similar show where like every episode there's like a couple of teaching moments in it yes but yeah i mean like what happened to Paige was like so heartbreaking and yeah and they it was like a storyline that just like ends at a certain exactly. point you know it's like it's a it's part of her what happened yeah, yeah. yeah. and i think that some of the more 
you know, CWE teen dramas tend to be like, oh, oops, that person got assaulted. We're not going to like ever talk about that again. Like it was just like a shock value thing that we did in that episode. And so whatever shows actually like show that healing is a process and like this is this trauma is going to stay with you and like you can heal from it, but like it's going to change you. And that's just the human experience, (laughs) you know, like I I appreciate it. And so, yeah. So we're just going to watch one more scene from this episode, which is Amy standing in the questioning room with sweatpants on while Maeve's at the table and they're waiting to be questioned about the assault. And then the, the cop will come in and we'll see what our depiction of being questioned by the cops after you got assaulted is going to look like here. Don't forget my jeans. Yeah, they're the perfect bootleg maze. You don't find that very often. True. Thanks for the jeans, Amy. Where were we? Fair hair, clean shaven, five feet eight or nine, and a blue jacket. It was kind of aqua. And was he already on the bus? Yeah, I think so. He might have got on at the second stop. Well, it's really important to know what stop he got on at so we can get as clear a picture as possible. So you said you remember smiling at him. Was that after the first stop or the second? Sorry, what's that got to do with anything? Are you saying she shouldn't have smiled at him? Um, charges like this are really hard to convict. And if we do actually catch the guy, the questions are going to get harder. Can I have my jeans back, please? I'm going to go. I'm sorry to make a fuss. James, um, <clears throat> if he does this to someone else, I know you can do this. Please. You're doing brilliantly, Amy. Yeah. Just take your time. Try to remember. He was already on the bus. So that was a questioning by the cops, which I think for questioning by a cop was like, the tamest they could have possibly done it probably like the only moment when like you were kind of like fuck you dude was when when they kind of harped on amy having smiled at the dude when you're being questioned like that like and they ask you these specific questions about like something that you like normally would never ever be paying that much attention to like yeah when did everybody get on the bus it's like i don't fucking know i mean we know from seeing the clip that like that guy was already on the bus i mean and i get that like he's trying to establish a timeline but it's just like you're kind of asking like a human to do something that's a a little bit impossible which is like remember a bunch of details that like didn't really matter in the moment and like Chanel Miller in her book talks about like she she was like partying when she was assaulted and the police wanted to know like how many minutes she spent doing this or that or like how many drinks she had in like serving since she had been just like free pouring which like we have all done you know like mixing a drink and like and she had to like come up with all of these like minute details and like make sure they were right and it's like what did the perpetrator have to do like yeah just be like that's not true like it just sucks yeah absolutely and then obviously we also saw in that scene that amy is continuing to really like i said hyper focus on the jeans but you know what sucks it's clearly like her fave pair she recently picked them up she's like excited to show them off and like she's a teenage girl like you know like it's so honestly just such a human like thing for her to be like harping on that like obviously the thing that you can't see is that she was wearing like you know police issued sweatpants and kind of like trying to make light of the situation by like playing around with them and stuff I i think there's also something in that she's asked that question and she's like immediately like 
don't want to do this. Like I'm an inconvenience. Like again, that whole, like, this is, this is actually too much because I don't want to get into this. And then, you know, you don't want to get into this either. You don't want to help me. You know, it's that reaction that makes, it just makes a lot of sense. It, it's very human. And like what I've heard from lots of survivors. I also think Maeve has her, like, obviously has her own stuff. Yes. And it's kind of like pushing Amy for like some justice that she maybe feels like she couldn't get in some way. She's like, he could do this to somebody else. Like, please. And it's like, it just seems like Amy doesn't want to go to the police and like that's like a complicated choice but it's her choice I don't know there's like a fine line between being a supportive friend and like pushing somebody a little too hard yeah and I couldn't help but feel like Maeve was kind of like pushing her to like feel a certain sort of way like to not be goofy when it's like when your adrenaline is going like that like you're not gonna you're not acting like a chill normal person I don't know it was just interesting yeah so after that scene, the cops, you know, they, they finish there and getting all the details they need. And the one, the cop who questioned them as well as the one who, you know, took them in, like, and gave her the paperwork at the beginning, the one who didn't know that Feliz Navidad meant Merry Christmas. Um, that was so funny. Yeah. yeah. They are like, okay, we're going to drive you two home. So they drive Maeve and Amy home. And when they drop Amy off at her very nice house, she says, you'll let me know when I can have my jeans back? as she's leaving the car and they're like absolutely thanks amy and she like apologizes to me for ruining her birthday and Maeve was like this is the best birthday i've ever had in a long time like don't worry about it and so then amy enters the house and her mom's like amy amy and she's like night mom and then her mom's like no how was your day and she asks why she's wearing you know the trousers and she makes sort of a comment about it like being because she's like making sure it's not because she's gotten too fat which is like rude this is why she doesn't have a good relationship with her mother clearly yeah Um, and she makes an excuse to like go to her room and like not hang out with her mom and the next day amy waits for the bus but when it opens she just hesitates and then she says sorry wrong bus and then starts the walk to school so that's like the first episode dealing with this plot line and yeah it's just it's you really can't like we've been saying you really can understand every one of her reactions like they're very human they feel very real and she is so isolated in it even if she does have Maeve I don't think she's not opening up to Maeve about the full extent of it once she kind of stops taking the bus I feel like she keeps that part of it hidden from people for like a few episodes like and she's obviously not open up to her mom so it it kind of like recedes into the background for a little bit there as she just avoids pretty much yeah she just sort of decides that staying in her room and sort of like trying to numb it is the best solution yeah so then in the next episode the fourth episode of the second season pattern continues amy waits for the bus again and she's like coaching to herself it's just a bus it's just a bus and then the bus approaches and she actually gets on this time but as soon as she gets on the bus she sees a vision of the guy who assaulted her and she's like i'll walk and the bus driver's like mordale secondary is quite a trek and she's like it's okay i like walking and so that becomes her next line is that she likes walking and she like basically convinces herself and others that she's like into walking now and so in the next episode the fifth episode of the second season amy puts her cute pink sneakers on she like pulls them out of the back of her closet you can see she has a bunch of other less like you know 
sensible shoes and she like goes for the pink sneakers and a music about walking is playing because this show really does that with the music which is you know chef's kiss and you can see the bus pass her as she's like walking down the street and she texts steve be there soon so we're gonna watch when she arrives to hang out with steve and this is the first time that we get to see how her relationship with steve has changed post assault i'm really enjoying walking at the moment it's so evaporating yeah. oh sorry that was an accident do you not want me to? What makes you think I don't? Keep oh. Maybe we can watch a film or something. Yeah. Are you sure everything's okay? I just feel like you've been acting a bit strange since what happened with the bus. Do you want to talk about it? I'm fine, Steve. I'm just tired from my walk. Go and get the laptop. I mean, there's the fact that she's, like, just walking. She's three hours late, like, to her, to where she was supposed to go to. Like, she's not even, like, necessarily, like, counting for the time that she's walking. She's just, like, walking, which is interesting. But she's, you know, she's like, I've really been enjoying walking, like, really trying to, like, emphasize that. <laughs> yeah. God, it's just like a huge, like a major inconvenience in her life that she like can't take the bus because it's frightening. Like, oh my God, walking for three hours. Yeah. Hours like I I use I like know that it takes about twenty minutes to walk a mile. She's like walking for miles and miles. Oh, but her boyfriend is a very nice and understanding. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, a lot of teenage boys would be like, what what's wrong? Ugh. Like, let's just fuck. <laughs> but he was, like, actually very caring and, like, asked her what she needed. and But she just, like, is not ready to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. And she's not even ready to admit to herself that she's having trouble with, like, feeling or getting into something sexual, like, after that. Because instead of being, like, yeah. Like, because he gives her the opportunity to essentially say just that. Like, it, he connects it to the bus. You know, he is not, like, he doesn't know what's going on. He's an observant dude, an observant yeah. guy. He seems to care. But she isn't ready to admit that to herself. She just says, oh, no, I'm just tired from my walk. Which, like, the reason that you were walking in the first place, you know, it's like it's all tied up together yeah that scene just like really is such a departure too from like what we know of her like and so i thought it was so important to talk about season one amy and like we know that amy and steve have had a fulfilling sexual relationship previously i mean she's in the best case scenario in a, in a weird way as far as like who her boyfriend is though because like yeah like you said like he really couldn't have been any more understanding and then as soon as she wanted to stop he was like okay we're stopping you know like there was no like yeah protesting or hesitation i will say like even though her lines while she's at the police station are you know she's you know deflecting and all that they're funny right like her lines are yeah. funny and, like her lines here too like there's humor in it which i think is actually like really important and and nice about this show it it allows this conversation to happen in a way that isn't like it's it's real and we know it's fucking depressing right but it lets us actually like move through it in a better way i think yeah i think so too like 
Amy's gonna be hilarious because it's part of her personality. I also feel like the show does a good job of showing how like sex is supposed to be fun. Yeah. And like a really fun part of being alive. And just like when you get sexually abused, like it it just kind of takes that away for for a while. And like that, it feels just like a theft of like joy. It's just it's just awful. Um, and I feel like not. Like some shows show it, but like the the impact it has on your sex life is really, I mean, it, everybody's different, obviously, but just like, I don't know. It, it just like sucks all the joy out of this like thing that's just like supposed to be about like pleasure and fun. Exactly. And put into something scary. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I feel like the person who assaulted her has like similar colored hair to her boyfriend too, like I noticed. Mm. Which is probably yeah. not helping. <laughs> like, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I just feel like I noticed that this time around. Yeah, that's really interesting. <gasps> oh, that sucks. Amy and Steve are at a party the next episode and they're dancing on the dance floor. Amy's trying to, you know, get into it and like be her so-called normal self. And we're going to see that she has a vision of the man from the bus who assaulted her in the crowd. So this is now like the second time I think that she has had a, such a vision. And we're just going to see how that plays out. Don't touch me, Steve! I don't like you touching me anymore! I'm your boyfriend. I don't! I don't think I want a boyfriend. I'm sorry. God, it's just so hard from Steve's perspective because she's not letting anyone in. And, like, how could one possibly know that when he reached out to touch her consolingly that she was seeing the man who assaulted her? Yeah, it's just heartbreaking how she just sort of is like, if I can't figure out how to, like, be okay with Steve touching me, I'm just going to not have a boyfriend. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's, like, very much all, all or nothing Yeah, for her right mm. now. And she loves having a boyfriend. She straight up said it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's really sad. Oh, I just feel so bad for her. Yeah. And then she walks home from the party, like crying alone. And it's just so sad. I mean, of course, she's walking again, right? It's such a solo activity. It doesn't have to be, but she is making it a solo activity, like her walking. And so, like, whenever you see her walking around, it feels like it symbolizes her being so isolated in this. So then the next day, a lot of shit goes down at that party. In addition to that, anyone who yeah. Oh, this goes off. <laughs> and like, not in a way that I'm like, go off, queen. I'm like, sit down, oh her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. go, I'm like, chill. Oda, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So the day after the party, Maeve catches up to Amy in the hallway, and she's like, "James, guess what? Like, Otis had sex with Ruby, and almost like robotically, Amy's just like, I'm sure it didn't mean anything. And then she looks over Maeve's shoulder, and she again sees the man in the, you know, blue jumpsuit, the sexual assaulter. And he's just like standing at a locker as if he's like, you know, in her vision as if he's just another student at Moordale. And yeah. it's Ugh. just, yeah, Maeve trying to like talk about her like problems of Otis. And like, meanwhile, in her brain, like, you know, she can't even think about that right now because of what what's taken over her brain. Yeah, she's in fight or flight mode like yeah. all the time. And I don't know, these flashbacks are just like so scary. 
because they really I think they do a good job I mean not I've never experienced like a flashback like that but just like it really comes out of nowhere every single time like when he's on the bus he comes out of nowhere and when she's at the party he comes out of nowhere and then she's at school and it's like and I'm sure she's trying to like think of other things and but it's just like he's just like always lurking around the corner Ugh, hate it. And I know they did this because this is like how the story was building, right? But there is something to say about Maeve like knowing like what was happening and that like her friend like was going through all this and and like how she's shutting down, you know? And I get that that's a story and it has to build, but it almost feels like some of what happens is like it would be someone not as up on this as Maeve, you know? Mm, yeah. No, and I think it really shows how much Maeve is in her own shit than more than like anything else you know like yeah because yeah. yeah like she does know theoretically that this is what she's dealing with yeah so then like we're now getting to like you know a, a pivotal moment in this plot line so it's that same day at school and Olivia beckons all the other girls to the mirror in the locker room where someone has written in lipstick that miss sands is a dirty talking slut yeah and as it will later find out, it was fucking Kyle who did it. That fucking douchebag. Women are always getting punished. Yes. For but... men shit. <laughs> exactly, because no one no one will admit that they did it because no one did it. The gym teacher sees someone's in trouble, all the girls end up in detention since none of them will will say who did it. And at first Miss Sands makes them do like this mindless task of like circling every A in like the newspaper or something. And they're like, that's super unproductive. And she's like, fine. You can spend the rest of the detention preparing a presentation about what unites you as women. And so this is, I think that this is like a really good commentary that what ends up being the only thing that unites them is the way that men treat women in this society. So we're going to see them starting to bond. And also, for some reason, everything that's happening with these girls all together it's the breaking point for Amy. For whatever reason, like, this is the point where it all comes out and she can't hold it anymore. Yeah. Breakfast clubby. Yes, yes. I love I love a breakfast club homage in a teen you drama. You gotta do it. You gotta <laughs> do it. Yeah. Iconic. I don't know why they asked for something productive to do. I know, right? <laughs> Rookie mistake. There must be something we all like. Chocolate? Yes. Yeah. No. Oh, let's just tell Miss Sands that we resent being grouped together and forced to bond on the basis of our gender. Yeah, or I could just pretend I like chocolate. I know you're comfortable with being dishonest, but I'm not. What's that supposed to mean? You pretend to be all radical and feminist, and really you're just a girl who goes around stabbing other girls in the back. It's not true. So you didn't try and steal my boyfriend then? Can we not fight? Shut up. It just got interesting. I didn't try and steal your boyfriend. Voila. I had to tell him how I felt. You didn't have to. Maeve, you chose to. Did you even like Otis? Or did you just want to win? You're a snake. Yeah? You used to pretend to be so sweet and nice all the time. You don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about me. Stop fighting over a stupid boy! Ames, why are you crying? <laughs> because I can't get on the bus. Wait, it's okay. It's okay. You can all stop looking at me now. Amy? So you can't get on the bus? because you think that man's going to be on it again. No. It's more that he had this really kind face. I remember because he smiled at me, and he didn't look like some wanking psycho killer. So it's like, if he could do something like that, then anyone could. I always felt safe before, and now I don't. 
probably sounds stupid. It doesn't sound stupid. I was groped at the train station last year. We were going to a gig in the city. This group of guys walked past, and one of them grabbed my tip. And it really, really hurt. So I sometimes feel funny in crowds too. It was like they thought my body was theirs or something. Yeah, like with public property. Two years ago, some boys were catcalling me. This woman told me it was my fault because my shorts were too revealing. So I went home and I cut them even shorter. I just fucked them. Good. Why should you have to change your behavior because of what they did? Exactly. I used to go to the local swimming pool all the time when I was a kid. One day, this guy flashed me his penis in the pool. And it, it looked all dangly and funny under the water. <laughs> I told my mum about it, and she wouldn't let me go back anymore. It's sad because it was my favourite place to go. That's so unfair. I guess. But statistically, two-thirds of girls experience unwanted sexual attention or contact in public spaces before the age of 21. So, it's not unusual. Why are some men so obsessed with getting their dicks out? Sometimes I go on chat roulette, and there are so many flapper penises on there. The long ones, short ones, fat ones. There was once even one that looked like it had a tiny face. <laughs> I think if I hadn't had an arm growing in between my legs, I'd show everyone too. Yeah. Maybe it's a power thing. Yeah. I think the man on the bus liked that I was afraid. A man followed me home from work about a year ago. Every time I sped up, he sped up. It was so scary. He ran off when he saw my dad, which made me angry because I don't want to be dependent on another man to protect me. I'm sorry that happened to you. You too. Thank you. At least we can go home now. Dicks. <laughs> yeah, so they found something they can all agree on. Mm. It's so, it's so depressing that that's the one thing. I think the way that Olivia puts it when Miss Sands asks them what they came up with, she says, she's like, what binds you together as women? And Olivia replies, other than non-consensual penises, miss, not much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They said a lot of the points that we have already said on this podcast, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> conversation. Just like the idea that like, you can't be in public spaces without having experienced that. And they're not even like done with high school yet. And they all had like these different stories that totally represented like different things. I mean, like who, I hate to say this, but who hasn't been like followed at least once, you know, like. Yeah. Oh my God, the way she puts her keys in her hands, like she's yes. getting ready to like knife someone with her keys. Yeah. Yeah. Done that. But the guy who followed me noticed I was scared and then he just said, God bless you. And he walked away. <laughs> it was like three in the morning. Ugh. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just making, I, I feel like as they were going through their like slideshow of like weird experiences, I was like going through my own and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Sad. I, I think there's something, yeah, like we've been saying about the spaces and, and they don't feel safe. You know, they're the ones who have to leave the space. They're the ones exactly. who can't like stick around and like her just describing not being able to go to the pool, you know, it's like, and she's like, that's my favorite place, you know, like that just, that just me, you know, like places we're not like, we can't be even though we want to be. 
because of men and fear yeah. of men yep. yeah and in that case too like her mom being like oh we're not going to go back there like it wasn't even a choice that like she made the like and that just like societally like tells you as a growing child that like oh when something like this happens like we leave the space you know we don't go make it so that he can't you know go to the pool anymore which might be a potential solution to someone who flashes children in a pool i would say but like that's not the instinct in like our society clearly like when even like a mom's instinct is to be like oh well i guess we just can't go there anymore because it's not safe yeah yeah oh yeah the pool one was pretty good oh my god that was a pretty bad one yeah she looked so little yeah and the way that that viv uses statistics too to sort of like play it off but like logically it's bound to have happened to all of us right and it's like that's not comforting that statistic exactly. is like the opposite of comforting exactly. <laughs> really it, works, it works really well for her character because that character really does like spout off the statistics like no business and so yeah. they, they are able to like make kind of like a very heavy-handed uh, like feminist statement by having a character like that who like i actually buy that she would have that statistic in her back pocket and would bring it out because she doesn't want to like have like that's how she copes is with like knowledge things that are absolutes you know yeah i had heard that statistic before but i didn't realize that it was before 21 i thought it was just like in life and i and i thought that it was like a low ball but now i'm like oh my god that's before you're 21 like i mean i remember how old i was when i like first started getting like honked at Mm, yeah i think i was like 12 like obviously still a kid yeah dad this world is so fucked. <laughs> that really is the like underlying theme of this entire podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but something Burn it that, all. Burn it that down. I think is really lovely about the way that this then comes to be. I mean, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna get to the to the like the climactic bus scene. But before that, as they're all leaving detention, they ask her, like Amy if she's gonna be okay, and she says, "I think so. I don't feel sad. I just feel angry." And so Allah, having already been taken to the junkyard by Adam, you know, it's like his go-to move, is like, "I think I know something that can help." So we're gonna watch a very cathartic scene of the girls going to the junkyard and Amy getting to take out her specifically her anger because clearly she's at the anger stage of this healing process and yeah I, I just think it's really beautiful and like really cathartic after having seen that whole slideshow of things that have happened to all of the girls yeah what do i do think about something that makes you really really angry and then smash it as hard as you can i'm angry that i'm not very good at baking cakes yes yes Woo. come on go on amy I'm angry that Steve keeps trying so hard to make you better, but he doesn't understand. Yes, come on! I'm angry that a horrible man ruined my best jeans and nobody did anything, and now I can't get on the fucking... cathartic moment i love that music by the way yeah, yeah there's too. some great song choices in this episode because i also love the song that plays during the we're all getting the bus scene so um, that song yeah. is used in a gay uk film that i 
used to watch a lot because I thought it was very romantic called Beautiful Thing. And they use that song as well as other songs with Mama Cass. And it's just so, it's just such a beautiful choice. Just, it feels like someone who like knows someone on their team like was doing their homework and like knew that movie and like knew that song i i hope i hope that's true you know british team yeah i was gonna say the british connection i feel like it's definitely possible but yeah i mean that scene is just like you know the 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 visuals of all of them like smashing everything after everything they just divulged to each other is just so beautiful yeah i agree Ugh, i love them and how they support each other i think it's very beautiful The smashing in the show has definitely got me thinking more and more about smashing things. So I've like looked up places where you can smash them, but then it feels like paying to smash something feels like bullshit. So I'm like, how do we find the places we can smash that are like, not like, here's $30 for me to smash. I want like (laughs) classic, like sex education smashing of things. Yeah, like where is my junkyard? Yeah. On True Life, I have anger management issues. They would put glass bottles in a paper bag and like smash Oof, it. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that yeah. way, like, you wouldn't get hurt or hurt other people. I mean, it's not as great as a baseball bat to like a literal car, which would be like incredible. Destruction is a creative impulse. I I love destroying things. It's true. But yeah, maybe I'll do what they did on True Life. I have anger management issues. Yeah, that's a good backup plan. True life, oh my god. I love love true life. (laughs) Same. Yeah. All right, so we're coming up to what I would say is like a turning point in her healing journey. But as we know, healing is not linear and this doesn't like fix everything by any means. But Mm. the big, we're all getting the bus moment, the one that we were all saying at the beginning of this podcast that we think is going to go down teen drama history as an iconic one, iconic girl power moment. We're going to watch the next morning when Amy shows up at the bus that she is no longer alone. And yeah, I, I think that as we've been saying, like just like this episode is when she finally like it's like i'm not going to deal with this alone anymore which is beautiful all right and then like full disclosure we'll probably end up all crying so (laughs) what are you doing here get in the bus we're all getting the bus getting on or what give her a minute it's just a stupid bus. It's just a stupid bus. Downtown Hot Spot. Halfway up this street. I used to be free. I used to be 17. Yeah, and that closes out the episode. Such a short short scene with such a big impact. (laughs) Yeah, you were right. Like, I cried a little. (laughs) I mean, when you see the tears in in Amy's eyes as she's, like, holding Maeve's hand and they're, like, all on the back of the bus together, it's like, oh, my God, my heart. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah. Just like the solidarity is very beautiful. It's it speaks for itself, honestly. It's just honestly. so good. 
Yeah, I just feel like we were saying, like, the initial assault, no one helping her was such a big part of the way she felt after. And, like, even in the junkyard, she, like, said that. Like, nobody did anything. Like, when she said, like, I'm angry that nobody did anything. And so, like, it's just so beautiful how the rest of the girls, like, realize, like, oh, she needs, like, people to show up for her, like, on the bus. She needs to see the bus as a space where people could show up for her and, like, keep her safe. Yeah, like, police didn't really help. She tried to help herself and, like, it didn't work. And it's, like, now she's, like reaching out to like her support system and and they're like finally coming through just seeing them all be like we're gonna take the bus with you oh that's like all she needed was just like a friend to like face this with her exactly the framing of this at the beginning of her being hyper independent and Mm. wanting to do it all on her own and walking and i'm gonna solve this myself and just that transitioning into letting people in and that beautiful moment it all really comes full circle and it's it's so nice to see yeah yeah i feel like she's like last time i was vulnerable this horrible thing happened you know why would i ever be vulnerable again but then it's like you you like need community to heal and like and i i hope that they i mean i know they're fictional but i'm like oh i just you know want everybody to have that for their whole life yeah totally and so then in the final episode of the season because that's the penultimate episode of season two steve and amy sort of rekindle their relationship as part of amy's journey she shows up to their quiz heads competition and then afterwards like he's like maybe we can hang out tonight and she's like i don't want to have sex yet and he literally says we don't have to have sex ever again i just miss talking to you my heart Mm -hmm. like that's the kind of thing that like so many teenage guys would never let come out of their mouth you know but like that's like putting it all like i just want to be with you like in whatever way is comfortable to you like and so then they end what they end up doing is sitting on his bed watching a movie and in like the closing montage of the season like you see them there and then amy says i think i might be ready for a hug and then like steve just gets a big smile on his face and like pulls her into him and that's kind of where we leave them at the end of season two and so one of the reasons that i love this show and that i think this plotline is so good is that as beautiful and climactic as the we're all getting the best moment is it's not not like gonna cure Amy she's not gonna like suddenly stop dealing with this trauma it's just more of like a step along her journey and so this show I think really gets it right by allowing her journey of her assault to continue into season three and not be like swept under the rug as like something she dealt with last season but something that she's very much still dealing with in season three and my favorite part because as you know I started my podcasting career basically just talking about how all the Riverdale characters needed to go to therapy it makes me very very happy that Amy just gets to go to therapy (laughs) (laughs) yep therapy can be so so good oh my Um... god (laughs) so in the opening sex montage of season three which I thought was lovely lovely it was just like it's just checking in on every character but like sexually essentially was what that was amy basically and steve like everybody's like sexing it up and they're on these two trampolines working out to like theoretically a workout video of some kind (laughs) and so they're still happy and together but like clearly amy is still like not ready to be like you know fucking again (laughs) like it's not happening yet so in the middle of this like sex montage is them just jumping 
jumping up and down on trampolines, which is really cute, actually. And so then later in that first episode, we find out that Amy no longer takes the bus because her mom bought her a car. It's a like, very nice red convertible. And she thinks driving is safer than getting the bus. So I think we have to assume that her mom finally was like she finally told her mom what happened because Mm. i don't see how else she would have come up with that conclusion so yeah and it seems like her it's like a typical solution of her mother's yep which is like okay we'll get you a car and never speak of this again like yep yes so you know very consistent at least (laughs) with her mother's reactions to things yeah It's also important to note that when you first see Amy in the red convertible, her and Steve have a goat that they have adopted or whatever, and it's like their commitment animal. And they're using this goat, which they just call goat, I'm pretty sure. I don't think it has any other name. Um, They are, like, trying to use this animal to, like, as some sort of, like, like way to bring them relationship closer together so it's like very clear that like they they are working on their relationship it's not what it like what it was before the assault so amy admits she needs help i think that's the first season three clip we're gonna watch where you kind of like the first couple things you see in the first episode of season three of amy and steve would make you think like oh everything's going okay they're like you're dealing with it and then you finally get to see amy talk to Maeve about like what's really going on and Maeve realized it's like oh you like really still need help and you know what that's okay because sometimes we all need help hey me hey i'm going to the gym but do you want to come later oh i can't tonight i'm late yeah i'm sorry tomorrow steve okay maybe tomorrow yeah yeah Ooh, oh, tomorrow what is that about he's trying to keep you cuddle me and i know he doesn't want to put pressure on me Sometimes he gets this hungry look in his eyes and I just want to scream, No, scream! I don't want to have sex! <laughs> I used to really like sex. And I still wank a lot when I'm on my own, but I don't know, I just feel safer when I'm by myself. How long has this been going on for? Since the bus? I think you might need to talk to someone professional ways. I think I can find someone like Otis's mum. She seemed nice. Hi, Otis. Can I talk to you for a sec? All right, yeah. And so then she talks to Otis because it's not like like Otis's mom. She does end up going to Otis's mom. <laughs> but yeah, as you could see in that scene, she did not want to kiss Steve and he tried I and mean, she was just generally swerving hanging out with him because clearly when she does hang out with him, like, you know, he's trying to progress the relationship back to what it once was, clearly, and she doesn't know how to do that yet. Yeah. So Maeve goes to Otis, tells him Amy's still struggling after last term, and Otis is like, of course, I'll talk to my mom. So we're just gonna, we're gonna go right into Amy finally in Jean's office, having her first therapy appointment, and yeah, we get to see Jean Milburn. So, you know, a treat to everyone, of course. Obsessed. <laughs> I love a goat. This is not a problem, Amy. I want you to know that this is a safe space for you to share, and we can go as slowly as you want us to. Will you excuse me? Just... <laughs> can everyone please keep it quiet while I'm working? <laughs> My vagina doesn't look like this. One of my lip bits is longer than the other. Well, it's just an educational model. The external part is called the vulva, 
And the lid bits that you're talking about are called the labia, and they come in all different shapes, sizes, and colors. There's a fascinating website I could direct you to that highlights the wide variety of different vulvas, if you're interested. Yeah, great. Do you want to have a seat again? Oh, let's try that again. Do you feel comfortable telling me a little bit about why you're here? Last term, I was sexually assaulted, and I thought that I was getting over it. But I don't think I am. I used to like my body, and I used to like having sex. But ever since it happened, I don't like the way my body feels. I don't like looking at it, and I don't like my boyfriend touching it anymore. That must be difficult for you, Amy. Do you think you could tell me a little bit more about the assault? I was going to school, and everything felt normal. And then I got on the bus, and there was this man. Sorry. I just find it hard to talk about it sometimes. It's okay. We don't have to talk about anything you don't want to. I just want to be the old me again. Well, you may never be the old you, Amy. But that's okay. As human beings, we are constantly changing and developing. And by processing this trauma, you may gain clarity on the event itself, and we can move you towards healing the relationship with your body again. Would you like that? Yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. That was so much poo. That was that was a lot of poo. <laughs> okay. I love a therapy goat. Can I just say therapy goat? Yeah, me yeah. too. Isn't like goat yoga a thing? Like one yes. of my, one of my well, teen dramas, they they had goat yoga happen. <laughs> oh my All god. Martin. Yeah. I love goats. They're very um, smart and mischievous. Yes, which is yeah. very clearly shown in the in this show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's so like one thing that this does is it starts Amy's like fascination with vulvas, which like I wonder if they're gonna like <laughs> I'm some people ship Amy and Maeve and I'm like, I get it, but like I wonder if they're ever gonna actually do anything with that after having her be like into vulvas, you know? Like I'm just I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious if they're gonna do anything with that. But anyway, starts her like sort of education about that and like which is cool because it seems like it's like relevant to the way she feels about her body, like, you know, like knowing there isn't like a certain way that your vagina is supposed to look. Like <laughs> lots of different ways like totally. that seems becomes a part of her journey. And then I just love how I don't know, I just love Jean so much and she's just like we can go whatever pace you want. And like, we're not necessarily going to get you back to your old self, but we can like heal and like move forward. And I was like, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Jean is such a good therapist. I'm so sad that all of her records got photocopied and posted all over the school. That was like a, the biggest HIPAA violation I've ever seen in my yeah. whole life. But um, not, not her fault. But just like, yeah, I think she's a really sweet therapist and understands like teenagers a little bit. I When I was a teenager, I looked at that website. That's so like, funny. Yeah, I was like, I, the Unitarians, I think, maybe put me onto it because I, I don't know like there's all this shame about the way like vulvas look and stuff and it's like and it's I don't know it's an organ man it's yeah. gonna look fucking, it's gonna look weird totally yeah and I just love that now she can finally like be in therapy and like have a professional help her out because Amy's been dealing with some like what seems like PTSD to me a lay person for like a year now 
Like, that's such a long time to suffer without any professional help. So then in the next episode, Maeve asks how therapy was. Amy's like, it was amazing. You know, most women's vulvas don't look like they do on Pornhub. <laughs> um, and then Steve is like, you look nice, babe. And he asks what's going on and says they haven't seen each other in a minute. And she just, again, is like, everything's fine. Like, I'm just really busy with my baking, you know? So this, the, like, actually dealing with Steve part is something that she's clearly having to work on in therapy so what i thought we would do is so we're only gonna watch like three more clips i think because like but so the main thing of amy's journey here is sort of realizing that she needs to be alone right now and you know as somebody who has been a serial monogamist and then had this happen to her it totally makes sense because she's trying to figure out who she is and maybe you know i i didn't have boyfriends as a teenager so i i don't know like but i guess like it could be a little all-consuming at this time when you're like trying to figure out who you are so what happens is that Maeve can kind of see she just she can see the way that amy is treating steve and they end up having this like big fight while they're in europe and i thought you would watch that because it ends up coming up in the pivotal therapy session that that she has where she really has like a breakthrough your cat is so cute <laughs> Oh, he's on Jeff again. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the boy. Cutest boy. Vinny. Can we talk? Not right now, Amy. Why are you acting like this? I wanted to take. You don't get it. What is it that I don't get? We live in completely different worlds, Amy. I'm not rich like you. I can't decide to be a baker for a living just because I like toast. That's a fucking mean thing to say. Yeah, well, sorry, but it's true. I wanted to do something nice, Maeve, that's all. You never accept help from anyone, ever, because you're too proud. I wanted to do a nice thing. I don't need nice things. Oh, because you're so above it all and strong. You act like you don't give a shit about anyone, but really it's just to keep people out. You've done it to Otis and now you're doing it to me. Don't you probably do that. Yes, you do. Well, I don't. And you're probably going to do the same thing to Isaac and end up hurting everyone. You want to talk. Look how you treat Steve. Yeah, like he's got the plague every time he's around you, Amy. He's so confused because you're too much of a people pleaser to fucking break up with him. You talked about being brave. That would be brave. Yeah, they really have it out. Everything that's going on with both of them. Yeah. It's a really hard conversation, but I don't know. There's there's something to having a friend like Maeve that's not gonna let this linger any longer. Yeah. No, she's telling how it is exactly yeah yeah i think they both said stuff that the other one probably needed to hear and really did not want to hear yes exactly yeah and sometimes you need your friends to do that unfortunately it's part of being a good friend so at the same time that that's happening like steve ends up in like you know whatever they're they're like in france or whatever and so his like group that he's assigned to includes kyle who's obviously Amy's ex-boyfriend. They're talking about how they both dated Amy, and Kyle's like, I really liked Amy. She was really nice and a total fuck machine. You're, like, a really lucky guy. And it's kind of, like, this really sad thing where it's like, that's not who Amy is anymore. And, you know, it's just being said at a time when Steve doesn't know what's going on with their relationship and, like, isn't being communicated to how she feels. So he's just trying and trying and trying and doesn't know what he's doing wrong. To have someone then say that to you in the middle of that is like, oof, that's 
breath. Shit like that just upsets me to no end. Like guys like talking their shit about like a girl they were with or like, yeah. you know, things about guys that share photos of their girlfriends, you know, and it's like this thing where men are like comparing sex lives and, and oh, my, my girl can do this, this and this. And it, it just, oh, it makes me want to vomit. So I, I get that it was just said as like, oh, a thing. And it was for the plot to, you know, show that what her, you know, current BF is going through. But that kind of shit, like that, that even came out of his mouth just makes mm. me really fucking mad, like super mad. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that like Steve being not that kind of guy at all is kind of like very taken aback by it because like he would never talk about Amy like that. Like even if they, you know ultimately are not going to be together right now like he is like a stand-up good guy the whole way through i don't think he ever like i mean yes in a way he's pressuring her but like i don't think that if you that that again comes up to the point that she doesn't want a boyfriend right now because he's just like asking her to do very bare minimum things that you would do theoretically if you have a boyfriend so it's not really steve it's like really the fact that amy doesn't needs to be on her own right now Maeve called her out but i don't think that she really accepts what she needs to do until her session with Jean. So we're just going to watch her session with Jean. That's the penultimate thing we're going to watch. Is Finny going to podcast? Yeah, he looks ready. He looks like Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of his mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, little guy. A gentleman. Oh. He is such a gentleman. All right. And then she said I was being unfair to Steve because I'm too much of a people pleaser to break up with him. Hmm. How did that make you feel? Like an idiot. And she's probably right. She didn't have to say it in such a mean way. Why do you think she's right? It's true. I hate fights. I hate making people feel bad. So I just lie and tell them what they want to hear. Which is why I probably won't break up with Steve. And why I had such awful friends for so many years. And why I smiled at that gross, stupid man on the bus and made him think he could rub his stupid dick on me. (sighs) Do you feel that if you hadn't smiled at him, you wouldn't have assaulted me? I don't know. Had you smiled at strangers before? And had that led to them assaulting you? Listen to me, Amy. What that man did to you on the bus has nothing to do with your smile or your personality and is only about him and it is absolutely not your fault you understand okay how do i get stronger like you i may no i bet you're stronger than you think you are even the fact that you can say that you feel angry because of the fight with Maeve. That's a positive step towards feeling your full spectrum of emotion. But also, it's not anybody's place to tell you that you should or shouldn't break up with your boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did tell her to get over herself and be with Otis, but I think I have a point. <laughs> we in love with each other. And yes, he's been a bit of an arsehole, but he's apologised a lot. And she isn't the easiest person to get to know, so it's kind of like... <laughs> I probably shouldn't have talked about Otis, should I? How was he an asshole? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a big therapy session for her. That was a breakthrough. Breakthrough. Yeah. And I think she just, like, she so needed to hear <sighs> I love that her. from Jean. Yeah, she needed to hear that from Jean about the smile. Like, because she, she really had 
that's not the first time we hear that talked about, you know? Obviously, yeah. like, it was talked about with the police. So, like, maybe that really stuck in her mind after that, seems uh, like. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, like, she told the other girls at the end of the second season, like, the the fact that it seems like it could, like anyone could do that to her had clearly seeped into her brain. And, like, it, Jean being like, haven't you smiled at strangers before and they don't assault you? Like, only one time that that's ever happened has someone assaulted you, you know? Like, really, like, laying that out there and being like, it's not your fault. She just clearly needed to hear that. And she needed to hear that she can heal and be strong. It reminded me of like a cognitive bias that I learned about. Like, I guess a cognitive bias is sort of like a, like fallacies that like a lot of us believe to like, Mm. I don't know, like protect ourselves or just like, I don't know, on Wikipedia, there's like a list of common cognitive biases. It's like really interesting. But like one of them I think is called like the just world like you want to believe that the world is just so Mm. like when when things don't make sense you kind of like fill in the blanks with something to make it make sense and like I think her being like well if I didn't smile at him then he wouldn't have thought that that was okay to do it's her trying to like make sense out of something that doesn't make sense and I think like a lot of our like impulse to like victim blame is like trying to believe that the world is like a just and safe place and that like Mm. and that we can trust the people around us and like control the actions of other people when like we really can't and like it's just it's so normal to like blame yourself because of that but yeah I'm so glad that Jean gave her that pep talk and I think that a lot of viewers probably needed to hear that from Jean being so kind yeah It, it kind of feels like she's talking to you when she's saying it totally yeah, yeah. yeah and so then in the next couple episodes amy gives out her very well crafted and apparently delicious vulva cupcakes so yeah. <laughs> obviously she's like growing as a baker right like if she can make these like beautifully sculpted cupcakes and then in season three the big like sword like rebellion against the the new principle happens and there's like that big video they show on open day and in the open date video, Amy's part is her saying, like, I love clitoris and I feel no shame. Get your wank on, ladies. And so I kind of love that, like, even though she's having trouble with her, like, sexuality that involves a partner, she still is, like, very in touch with her. Like, she even said to Maeve that she's able to still, like, have fun masturbating by herself. And that it's, like, for right now, the, the other partner is the issue. And so I do love that they show that. It's not like she's completely, like, shut down sexually. It's... It just feels very authentic. Yeah, that there's like a million ways to like enjoy sex. Like it doesn't yeah. just have, and like I don't know, like I forget their names, but the two girls and the one has what's it called? Vaginismus. Oh yeah, well, um, Allah and Lily. Yeah, Lily has vaginismus. Yeah, and then they they still figure out how to like enjoy their sexuality together without having like typical sex with each other I don't know I just thought that was cool or like how Amy can like she and her boyfriend can feel close to each other without having sex I mean it doesn't work forever but but for a while it does like he's just like I just love you like I just want to hang out with you we don't have to have sex I don't know I just think that's really cool that they show all the different ways you can enjoy being with someone yeah actually or not (laughs) definitely 
Definitely. So yeah, the final conversation I thought we would watch is just, it's actually between Amy and Adam's mom, who becomes really good friends with Jean. And while Jean is in the hospital dealing with the baby, some apparently nobody called Amy to tell her that her appointment was canceled. <sighs> Amy is at the Milburn house at the same time that Adam's mom is coming to pick up some things to bring to the hospital for Jean. And they end up having a really, as two people who, you know, Adam's mom left her husband. And so they're kind of in like a very similar situation, even though they're quite, you know, far apart in, in the years, obviously. And they have like a really interesting conversation that I think is a good way to round this out. This is, yeah, this is the final episode that we have seen so far. Obviously, we can talk a little bit about what we hope for in season four when we're done, but it's kind of where we're left with Amy's story as of now, as we're recording in March 2022. I wouldn't go in there for a bit if I were you. Oh. <laughs> no, seriously. Do you want to talk about why you're feeling anxious? I need to break up with my boyfriend. So lovely to me. But I've changed so much, and I want to know who I am on my own. Mm. I don't think I know that either. It's so difficult to be alone. There's so many man jobs I don't know how to do. Yeah, Steve is so good at opening my crisps. Well, it probably will be hard, but if you feel you want to spend some time with yourself, you should take that opportunity. Your boyfriend will be all right. Toothbrush. Okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, she really ruined that bathroom, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, the nervous farting and pooping is hashtag relatable. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, yeah. All of her, like, being funny and goofy just feels so real. Like, it doesn't even feel like, you know, like, it. yeah. I love yeah. that. I love Amy. Oh, mm. So yeah, so what we what we see, you know, on screen, but we don't really hear or anything. So I didn't think it was like worth us watching it. Obviously, is that at in the in the final like sort of like montage where they're seeing where we leave everyone for the season. You see Amy on like her bed with Steve, and she's like breaking up with him, and they're both crying and holding hands, and you know it's the end of the road for them. But that's clearly what needs to happen. And I think the way that she articulated it to oh my God, I don't know why I can't remember in Adam's mom's name but up to her was like yeah like she just she needs to, she's changed so much and she needs to find herself and she's like very young so I feel like if that's what you're feeling when you're that young you should definitely take that opportunity yeah oh it's so, yeah it's so oh wait sorry it's just so brave I think yeah well, both of them are being very brave even though they're scared and bre breakups suck even when they're like amicable like that you know you never it's never because somebody's like a horrible person like you still you you still love somebody when you break up with them you know for the most part Ugh, so tough this show just gives me all oh my god so many feelings <laughs> and like memories of being a teen it's just fucking ripping my heart out in a very nice way 
Yes. Absolutely. And then Amy's storyline with Maeve also kind of like, it's really beautiful where there's one point in the season where they say they're going to be each other's moms because they don't need for them to have a good relationship with their mom. Yeah. And then Maeve is like trying to decide if she's going to go to that program in America. And mm. she's like, oh, well, things are finally good with Otis. Like, maybe I'll just stay here. And Amy's like, you would never let me like give up an opportunity like that for a boy. And she kind of like sets her straight and it's like, all right, time to pack you up to America, I guess. God. But yeah. they're just eating all this pro-America propaganda. <laughs> England is like better. Like, yeah, I know. Like, oh, you sure you want to come here? We don't like. We don't have healthcare. Like, it's not. It's not all fun and games. I know. I'm like, <laughs> don't stay. Don't stay for a boy, but do stay for the NHS. <laughs> you will miss it. Exactly. Just avoid J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah that's true. Oh, You're clear. It's a small country. I bet you could like bump into. <laughs> no, not really. I'm, I, I, so I don't know. I feel like well, the turfs are there. The turfs are there. No. The turf shit is, in England is like beyond. Turf island. The fuck? Because they're like we're feminists and tur- I'm like wait, I just don't understand. Yeah, no, it's it's hard to understand because it's just it's just hate disguised as being like no. they yeah. bad. Yeah. They bad. But yeah, so that's where we leave Amy Gibbs at the end of season three. And I just think it's so beautiful how like full and nuanced and non-linear the healing journey was because that is so important to show like healing is not linear and it goes up and down and like if they had let it end on the we're all getting the bus and then amy starting to feel like her normal self again that would not have felt as authentic as it felt and so yeah i guess like just to close out like any thoughts on what we'd like to see amy's journey go next because sex education has been picked up for a season four so I am kind of excited to see her be solo for a bit because we've never gotten to see that before. And I hope that she either finds another passion that she loves or that like her baking, like you see her continue to evolve with that because like, I don't know. I I just want her to find herself in whatever way that makes sense. I agree with those things on her passions and seeing her alone. I also think there is a tendency to show survivors of sexual assault as either like Amy's story where she's not having sex and doesn't feel comfortable Mm. with sex or some people deal with being like hypersexual right right so what I would love to see is that we do see her like working through this and like not necessarily like oh it's another relationship but where she's like being touched and it feels good and healthy and with another person because I think it's important to to show like yeah people with who deal with this they're not fucking broken right they dealt with something and they have ways of coping with it but it doesn't mean that people are can't have like fulfilling sex lives after this yeah totally yeah i i agree with y'all i want to see amy just explore herself and have a ton of fun yeah like trying new things so I feel like that's what being like 18 19 is all about you know it's like you have all this new freedom and it's like you know there was like a bump in the road but that doesn't mean that she doesn't get to like just enjoy like her youth young adulthood and I hope that she has some sexual healing as well that yes. is fun and healthy and safe for her and that nothing else bad happens. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I want to protect her. Yes. I also hope that she continues to see Jean in season four because it doesn't feel like her like journey and therapy is over by any means. No, they're not fine. They can't be. Yeah. I hope they haven't touched the mom yet. Come on. We haven't even talked about her mom. Yeah. There's got to be a lot to unpack there. (laughs) I know. Normally, mom comes up pretty early. You know, therapists will be like, so what's the deal with your mom and dad? Yeah. You know, like yeah, the, first, yeah, yeah. the first time. But like, yeah, they haven't even been able to get there yet. Yeah. Her deal with her mom is pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, so we're we'll we'll hope to see some more lovely writing for Amy because it's just been really great. Um, oh, I have one more thing. Amy's always saying she doesn't feel like she's strong and that she wants to be stronger. And I want her in season four to be like to like just kick somebody's ass or something oh yeah yeah totally yes want mm-hmm. her to like feel that she is strong for sure yeah euphoria yeah. slap down like a bitch yeah. down yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i want somebody to get what's coming to them through amy wow all right. get it all right i'm here for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, Vinny. Awesome. Oh, so cute. Aww. Little babe. <laughs> He's like, don't touch my paw. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I think I think that concludes we're all getting the bus moment. You should, oh, yeah. you know, go watch that moment and cry if you need it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Air free um, if you need it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you both for coming on again. Nikki and Kelly are going to be back later this season. We're going to be talking about some class conflict, so a little more in our usual wheelhouse. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I'll see y'all soon. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Leftist Teen Drama. Follow us on social media for updates. Links to our Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok are in the show notes, along with links to suggested additional reading on the topics discussed. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Solidarity forever, free Palestine, and abolish the PIC. Signing off, Maria.